Miraculous Cross of Genazzano. Genazzano is one of the most beautiful shrines to Our Lady in the world. It is in a little town less than 40 miles from Rome. And will you believe that in the 25 years we have been traveling all over the world, we had never heard of it or gone there? But it is so powerful. We should have told you about it years ago. We're just thankful the Lord has allowed us to visit it now so that we could tell you about it. Unfortunately, we don't have the space to get into great detail about this miraculous apparition. But we must give you at least a short version of what happened here, because everything about the shrine is miraculous. It is truly an extraordinary place to visit. But don't let us forget to tell you about the miracle of the cross which took place here. It's as remarkable as the account of the translation of the image of Our Lady which came here. We will begin at the beginning. It was in the year 1467. The Ottoman Turks were threatening all of Europe for the second time in a thousand years. The small country of Albania, which was very Christian, was under the rule of one of their own, Skanderberg, whose very name instilled fear in every follower of Islam. He had defeated them in battle for over 23 years. The Turks constantly outnumbered his troops by at least four to one. But Skanderberg always asked for the protection of Our Lady of Skutari, symbolized by a fresco of Our Lady which, according to tradition, was brought over to Albania from the Holy Land by the angels at the same time the Holy House was transported to Yugoslavia. Our Lady never failed him or the people of Albania. She even extended her protection to Rome and the princes of Italy. But alas, in 1467, Skanderberg died, and the Muslims rejoiced. They planned a major attack on Albania, knowing that without the strength of their leader, the soldiers would fold. It was at that time that two soldiers, Giorgio and Desclavis, were praying at the little church of Our Lady of Scutari. They pleaded with the Madonna to tell them what to do. Should they stay in Albania and die for the cause of country and faith? Should they do what most of the Albanians were doing, run for safety in another country? Both men prayed at the same time. They felt the overpowering presence of Our Lady in the room with them. They were giving an inner locution to go home. They would be told what to do as they slept. Both men went home, overjoyed that they would be receiving an answer to their dilemma from Our Lady as they slept. That night, in his sleep, Our Lady appeared to Giorgio. He knew it had to be her, because although she looked the same as the image of Our Lady of Scutari, she was so much more beautiful. She was breathtaking. She spoke to him in the apparition. She told him that he and the Sclavis were to prepare to leave Albania for good. When they had everything ready, they were to meet at the chapel of Our Lady of Scutari. She would then tell them what they were to do. As soon as Giorgio awakened, he ran to tell his friend what Our Lady had instructed them to do. However, Our Lady had beat him to the punch. She had appeared to the Sclavis as well and had given him the same instructions. The two prepared for their final journey, then returned to the church. They knelt in prayer. They were deep in prayer, alternately gazing at the beautiful image of Our Lady on the wall of the church 
and then going back into prayer. All of a sudden, they saw the fresco detach itself from the wall. It was then surrounded by a white cloud. Angels positioned themselves all around her. The entire entourage began to move slowly out of the church. The two soldiers followed, not really believing their eyes, but trusting in Our Lady. They followed her slowly from the church through the town in the direction of the Adriatic Sea. Did anyone see them? We don't know. There's no mention of their coming in contact with anyone as they followed Our Lady on that 19-mile trip to the sea. At last, they arrived at the shoreline of the Adriatic Sea. They had to wonder what was next, but again, they had complete trust in Our Lady. So they just continued to walk right into the Adriatic Sea. They were not in a trance or anything of the kind. They knew they were walking into the water. They didn't know for sure what would happen, but they kept going. As with the Jews crossing the Red Sea, or Peter on the Sea of Tiberias, they were allowed to walk on the water. They looked down as they put one foot in front of the other. As each foot would touch the water, it stepped onto what became a small solid diamond, like slate, which held their weight. Then, as that foot would raise up, the little diamond would disappear and another one would form as the next foot touched the water. This continued all the way from Albania to Italy, a distance of just over 190 miles, coast to coast. There's no mention of how long it took for the journey to Italy. An interesting point to note is that all the while they were walking over the sea, they had the sun during the day to guide them, and the moon and stars at night. They never felt cold at night or hot during the day. They never tired, although this trip had to take days at least. They never felt hungry or thirsty for the entire time they were following Our Lady. After they arrived on land in Italy, the journey continued on land in the direction of Rome. At a given point, the soldiers could see the towers of the churches of Rome. They were sure that this was where Our Lady wanted to go, but she was full of surprises. At a given point, just when they ventured near the gates of the city of Rome, the image of Our Lady with the cloud and the angels disappeared. She was gone. They were shocked. This was the only reason they were here. What would they do now? Now they found that they were exhausted, in need of sleep, and famished. They realized they had not eaten in days. They went in search of food and shelter. Our Lady goes to Genazzano. Our attention switches to Genazzano, a small village in the province of Latium, not more than 50 kilometers, 31 miles from Rome. Therefore, Rome would exert a major influence on the little village, especially where it came to morals or lack of them. Gerazzano was very much like Rome, only on a much smaller basis. It had degenerated into a haven for corruption, moral decay, idol worship, sexual permissiveness, and on and on. But there was a widow, a holy lady, named Petruccia de Nocera. She was a third-order Augustinian. In the town of Gerazzano, there was a broken-down church named after Our Lady of Good Counsel. At one time, it was a place of great spiritual renewal, but with Renaissance, churches took a backseat to secular humanism and paganism, and so this little church in honor of Our Lady was in great disrepair.
but the Augustinians wanted it rebuilt. Petrucha had been given interlocutions from Our Lady for many years, telling her she wanted the church rebuilt. At one point, Our Lady told her that she wanted the image of Our Lady of Escutari to leave Albania. Petrucha understood what she was being told. Our Lady wanted this little broken-down church to house the image of Our Lady of Escutari. So she spent all the money she had attempting to rebuild the church, even to the point of selling her home to donate the money towards the building of the new church. But she was pretty much alone in her quest to do the work of Our Lady in this way. As a matter of fact, she had become the town joke. She spent all her time around the church with only one wall up, which was only about three feet high. This was all Petrucha could afford to build. Everyone knew she had put all her money into this venture, and it looked like it was never going to happen. That is, until the 25th of April, 1467, at 4 p.m. There had been a town market in the piazza that day, and so many local people, as well as some from outlying areas, were in the town square buying and just enjoying the day. All of a sudden, there were sounds of what seemed like a choir singing, but there was no choir in town that could sing as beautifully as the sounds that were coming to the people. They looked all around them. The sounds became louder and more distinguishable. They were hymns to Our Lady. Petrucha, who had her head down in prayer, lifted her eyes in the direction of the beautiful singing. There in the sky, not 50 meters away, was the white cloud with the angels surrounding the image of Our Lady of Escutari being carried to the Church of Our Lady of Good Counsel. Now, the entire town, in addition to Petrucha, could see the heavenly entourage approaching the little church. Everyone watched as the fresco floated down, down, down until it stopped in front of the one three-foot wall of the church. And there it stayed. At first, there was silence. This was followed by soft voices of people in awe, which was then followed by cheering and shouting. Petrucha was in tears of joy. Our Lady had come. The townspeople, who had not had a thought about Our Lady for years, all of a sudden were crying out, Madonna, singing Salve Regina. It was truly a miracle. Word traveled all over Latium and the surrounding provinces. It was a bus in Rome. People were flocking to the little church from all over Italy. The two soldiers, who had been in prayer since they lost Our Lady, heard about what had happened and rushed to Genazzano to see if it was truly Our Lady of Escutari who had come to that place. When they arrived at the church and saw their lady there, they fell down on their knees in tears. They were truly home. They remained in that town for the rest of their lives. As soon as this miracle had taken place, money began to pour in for the construction of the little church. A new, beautiful shrine was built in a period of three years. It was completed in 1470, the same year Petrucha died. She had lived long enough to see her dream and the mandate she had been given fulfilled. There has been an ongoing controversy over the years as to whether the image in the church in Genazzano is actually the image from Escutari, Albania, despite the testimony of the two soldiers in Petrucha. Some think it came directly from heaven, 
as a means to convert the sinners of Rome and the Latium, but all evidence points to the account given by the soldiers and Petruccia. There is another aspect of the miracle of Gerazzano which defies explanation. The fresco, which is actually a piece of the wall of the church in Escutari, never adhered to the wall of the church in Gerazzano, not to this day. It is suspended in mid-air. It floats about six inches from the wall of the church. Sadly, a large frame has been placed around it so that one cannot see the space between the fresco and the wall. However, this does bring to mind the holy house of Loreto, which does not sit on the ground. It rests about an inch above the ground. It defies logic, but not miracle. With the miraculous, anything is possible. There are so many miracles attributed to devotion to Our Lady of Good Counsel here in Gerazzano. It would take three more chapters to tell you everything. One thing we can say in the first 110 days after the fresco of Our Lady came to Gerazzano, 161 recorded miracles took place. They were all documented and accepted. Miracles continued to occur for those who pray for the intercession of Our Lady of Good Counsel. We're told that even copies of the image of Our Lady, when placed in different parts of the world, have yielded miraculous results. Our Lady of Good Counsel is a very special title of Our Ladies. She is there to help us through our pilgrimage of life. Talk to her. She will answer you. Look at her image. Ask for her help. Don't be surprised if she smiles at you. The Miracle of the Cross of Genazzano Although the account of Our Lady's journey to her shrine at Genazzano is such a powerful story in itself, the real reason we wanted to include it in this book was because we thought it was so important to share with you this incredible series of miracles of the cross. To be given the gift of having one miracle of the cross is a true blessing, but to learn about three miracles regarding the same cross is a triple blessing. Let us tell you about it. Pope Martin V was born in Genazzano, and so naturally, he had exempted his hometown from taxes. However, his successor, Pope Paul III, was not native to the town. Therefore, he didn't feel the same way as Pope Martin V. This new pope began levying heavier and wider taxes. Many provinces resisted, fighting against what they considered to be high-handed tactics. Perugia rebelled as well as other provinces, and Genazzano joined the revolt. Consequently, Genazzano was occupied on March 25th, Feast of the Annunciation, 1540, by papal troops. The miracle of the cross happened during this time. The story was narrated by an Augustinian priest who had extremely high credentials. He was sacristan of the Pope and founder of the renowned Biblioteca Angelica a Sant Agostino in Rome. This is his account of how the miracle occurred. During the occupation of Gerazzano by the papal troops, a soldier who had been playing cards in the piazza and who had lost badly began cursing blasphemies against our Lord Jesus and his mother Mary. The soldier was under the influence of too much wine in addition. He stormed into the church and with his sword, he violently struck the forehead, chest, and legs of the image of our Lord Jesus crucified, which was above the altar. To his complete shock, blood gushed from the parts of the body of Christ which had been struck. This was miracle number one. 
But in addition, we have miracle number two. A supernatural force took hold of the sword used by the violent soldier, twisted it so badly it came out of the soldier's hands and fell to the ground. During the investigation which took place after the event, it was determined that the sword was twisted by divine intervention because for it to be so badly twisted intentionally, it would have taken great strength and a tremendous amount of work. Another startling finding of the investigation was where the body of our Lord Jesus was struck, there was discoloration on the fresco which remains there to this day. In remembrance of the miracle of the cross and also of the blasphemous nature of the offense, the twisted sword was kept right next to the miraculous fresco to show the power of the Lord. But that's not the end of the story. We now have miracle number three. About a hundred years after the fact, in 1640, the patriarch Colonna of the family of Colonna ordered that the sword which had caused the sacrilege be straightened. The local blacksmith, Andrea Barbarano, under duress, obeyed the command of the patriarch. He took more than a full day of working on the sword with fire and a hammer, but he finally straightened the sword. As he was about to present the newly straightened sword to the patriarch, he began to tremble spastically and twisted right back to the position he had taken right after the violent attack on the fresco of our Lord Jesus crucified. The miraculous sword is next to the miraculous fresco to this day. No one has dared to make any changes to it till today. Silence them, they shouted to Jesus, and he replied, Even if I should silence them, the very stones will cry out. No matter what man tries to do to kill the love we have for God, our very souls cry out for our Savior at one time or another in our lives. The human heart will not be stilled. And so it was with this and other miracles of the cross. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply with your iPhone or Android device, go to the app store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.